Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. So let's talk about something that most people have dealt with at some time in their life, yet they really don't want to admit to somebody, and that's loneliness. It's interesting. I'm always trying to uh, keep up with what's happening in our culture and what's going on in society because I want to hit the target. I don't want to answer questions no one's asking. And I was looking at this subject, and it's very interesting. Uh, Several sociologists and psychiatrists tell us there's an interesting trend that's going on in, in American culture, Western culture, really, today. And it's this. We are more connected by social media than any generation has ever been. We have access to so many different things. You know, we, we, we have all of our friends. We have those that follow us, those that you follow. We follow regular people. We see famous people. We're, we're connected. We know what's going on around the world. Do you guys remember when you had to, you've been around long enough, you had to wait till the evening news came on to find out what happened that day? You know what I'm saying? Nobody knew when it went around the world. Now it's right there in your hand. Uh, you know, it's there all the time. But here's the, the curious situation. Although we are more connected uh, through social media and on those levels than we've ever been before, at the same time, with all these connections, loneliness and isolation is a greater problem than it's ever been. In fact, the younger we go in, our, uh, in the demographics of, of, of the population, some of the most lonely people, those who express loneliness, are some of the youngest people around us. It's very interesting. I think what begins to happen is we, we recognize we have all the social media connections, but they're really surface connections. They, they're, they're at a distance. And what happens, although we're connected on all these places, we're really short on personal relationships. And so, so here we're connected, yet we're, we're, we're short on the, the, the meaningful personal relationship. And I think sometimes uh, all of our connections accentuate our loneliness. In other words, we're always looking at other people's, uh, you know, what they're, what's on their Facebook and what's going on, and, and, and it just kind of intensifies the loneliness you may be going through. Because if you notice on Facebook and Instagram and, and, and other things, nobody ever puts their worst moments on there. You ever discovered that? I mean, it's always like, here I am with all my friends, you know, and you're sitting at home by yourself. You know, here, here I am. This, this, this is, you know, you, you never see this one. Look, here I am eating alone, crying. That's not up on Facebook. Here, here I am sad at, at work. Everybody else went out for lunch at work, and I'm the only one they didn't ask to go. I'm alone here. I mean, you don't get that. And so people deal with issues, but the more we compare ourselves to these bright moments in everyone's life, it intensifies those moments. Everybody's dealt with some loneliness before. But what we need to understand is how this affects us, how it impacts us. Now, I'm no psychiatrist or psychologist. don't want to try to be. I didn't stay at Holiday Inn Express last night, so I'm not trying to be a shade tree counselor. What I am going to tell you is that Jesus understands what that's like. And he's walked through some things to identify with you. In fact, the Bible says he's been tempted while he walked in our shoes and came to this earth, tempted, touched by everything that gives you and I trouble. He knows what that's like. And the good news is, is that loneliness has an answer. Loneliness has hope. Loneliness has something that can help us. So, so I want us to realize this. Let me, let me make one more comparison. You know, if there's one thing I guess I could springboard off the home alone thing that is really true, is that Satan always loves to isolate people. 
That's when the attack comes. He always wants to get you by yourself. Why did Jesus use the parable of the, of the hundred sheep? And he said, one was lost and 99 were okay, but the shepherd left the 99 to go after the one. Why? Because the 99 were going to be okay. It's this guy out here isolated that needs some help. Why? Before the thief comes for him, before the wolf comes for him. So Satan loves to isolate people. He loves to make you think you're all alone. He loves to make you think no one cares about you. Why? Because you're vulnerable in that moment. And that's where the thief comes in to steal, to kill, to destroy. So let's look at this and see. You know, the first thing I want to establish with you and I want you to know is that Jesus understands what you're walking through. That this isn't something that makes you strange. You know, things happen to us. We have loss. We have loved ones move. We have loved ones pass away. We have situations change. So to be lonely, to, to deal with loneliness, doesn't mean you don't have faith. Doesn't mean you don't love God. Doesn't mean something's wrong with you. But we need to understand what's happening in our life at that moment. Let's look at, at Jesus. Let's go to Matthew 26, 56. He walked through some moments that helps him completely identify with what you're going through. Look at this verse. Pretty insightful. It says, but all this had taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. All these things leading up to his arrest. And then look at this. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. It's a tough moment. There he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And, 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 and having loved his disciples and asked them to, hey, stay awake and pray with me. And then a mob comes under the cover of darkness, and, and, and they arrest him illegally, and they hold him against all their traditions and laws. And, and so here he is being drugged out of a place of prayer, and he looks at his closest friends, and they run off and leave him. He knows what it's like to be left alone. Jesus walked through some moments that, that he could identify with anybody else walking through that. Look at Isaiah 53.3. Isaiah 53.3 was a prophecy about the Messiah and what he would do. Let me tell you what I told the first uh, service. I'm, I'm a little conflicted about all these great scriptures I put up here because I'm afraid I'm going to make you lazy. I mean, it's just too easy, isn't it? I want you to know, do, do you know where Isaiah is in your Bible? Can you find it? I want to make sure. I, I, I want you to know how to study when you get out of here. Can somebody say amen to that? Okay, okay, that was five amens, one holy grunt. I'm going to try again. How many want to study a word when you get out of here? It's more than just... Jeez, it's not much better. Would somebody run out and check the sign? Am I at the right place this morning? Are we, are we okay? You got Christmas now in hangover today, don't you? Okay, we're going to be good. But it's important. I'm just helping us move through. But I want you to know how to maneuver through your Bible, how to find this. Look at this prophecy. Think about someone. He didn't have to do this, guys. He willingly walked through these moments to know that you're not alone when you're dealing with some some isolation. Look at this. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Look at this. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. He was like that person that you all have encountered that everybody ignored. We hide our faces. He was that person walking through a hard time and nobody stopped to help him. He was that kid that goes to the lunchroom and it's full of students and she sits by herself. He was like that person at work that's just a little awkward, you know, socially. And there's all these people and they're doing this and they're going there 
and they're having the, you know, the, the, the workplace Christmas party, and there he is sitting in the corner. He was like one from whom people hide their faces. He understood those moments. He walked through those hard moments in his life. And whatever we face in those times when we feel like maybe we're isolated or like we've been left alone, he knows what's going on with you. Think about the triumphal entry. The very last week of his life, he comes riding into Jerusalem, down the Mount of Olives, on a, on a colt of a donkey, and, and people are ecstatic. There had been nothing like that in 400 years. The, 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 the crowds in the city that had gathered there for the Passover feast came rushing out of the eastern gate. And here he comes riding down the Mount of Olives, and they're ripping branches off of trees in their excitement, waving, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, here the one comes in the name of the Lord, shouting these great praises and taking their cloaks off and laying them on the ground for him to ride on. I mean, it was an explosive celebration. In the center of it, here's the Son of God. Here's this moment. One week later, the crowd's gone. And now, some of the same people maybe are shouting, crucify him, crucify him. So what a turn of events. I want to tell you, there's nothing we walk through that he can't identify with. There's not a situation that you're facing, listen to me, because you're never truly alone because he's there with you. We just learn, need to learn to recognize that, right? But then there was a moment he experienced that none of us have ever experienced and none of us ever will. A moment of separation that we can't even imagine. It's while he was on the cross. I want you to look at this next verse. It was, it was the most probably shocking statement he made on the cross. Hard for many of us to understand. But we read this. He's on the cross. Three in the afternoon. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Wow. In his darkest hour, in his greatest challenge, he lifts his voice to the Father in heaven. He says, did you leave me? Have you forsaken me? I don't feel you right now. I, 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 I feel completely alone. His disciples had left him. The crowd had turned their back on him. And now he's by himself on the cross, and he even cries out, my God, my God, did you forsake me too? That's a rough moment. What happened there? When you study scripture, when you try to find an answer, when, what, what could this mean? Because we know, we read in scripture, the Father and the Son, they're one. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the triune God is one. There's no separation, there's no division among them, yet there was this moment that could have only happened because he had come to earth, because he had put on our skin, because of the miracle of the virgin birth. He never stopped being God, but he laid down his privileges and took on our limitations and faced what we face and walked where we walk. And there on the cross, there came that moment. The only explanation for that is this, the moment when God took the sins of the world and laid them on him. Because the Bible said that's what he did. That's what redemption means. He bought us back. That's what atonement means. That our sins were covered and, and taken away from us. How? Why? Because he took them on him. I can't imagine the sin of the world. Can you imagine? 
I, I, I don't know what that must have been like. The worst sins ever committed. The greatest horror that has ever happened. Wrapped into a moment. Laid on him so he could pay the price for us. And in that moment when our sins were laid on him. It was that moment when the holy God turned his head. Because he couldn't participate in that price paid. And he said, oh, I feel alone. Never had this moment. I'm God, I'm eternal with you. And yet here for this moment, for this moment when he paid for us, it was there. Guys, I want to tell you, that's a separation we'll never comprehend. That's a separation we, we don't have words to describe. But he did that because he loved you so much that he wanted you to know whatever the price, whatever the cost, whatever we walk through, whatever we deal with, no matter everyone else forsakes us and everyone leaves us alone, God's willing to pay the price to come where you are and heal your hurt. You're that valuable to God. It's amazing. He knows where you've been. And Jesus chose to walk through those places. Because of that, I want you to go to John chapter 5. John the 5th chapter verse 1. There's something I notice about the ministry of Jesus that absolutely amazes me. And, and I love him even more for it. The more I read my Bible and, 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 and read again and read again and examine and look again and slow down and take time and read it as the Holy Spirit guides me. You know, the first brush as you read through the Gospels, probably when you think about Jesus and his earthly ministry, it's about crowds, crowds, crowds. The crowd followed him here. 5,000 men and their families were hungry, and, 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 and people couldn't get in the house where he was teaching. The crowd was around him, on and on and on. His own mother and brothers came to visit him. They couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Crowds always search Jesus out. And yet when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, while the crowds were looking for him, he was always looking for the one person. He was always looking for that one individual. You know why? Because he walked through the valley you walked through. He walked through those places, and he understood it. There was something about that person everybody else rejected that was like a magnet to Jesus. Here again in John 5, let's read this account, is a man in the midst of a lot of other people. And yet he was completely by himself. John 5 verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there was in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. We, we got to see that very pool. Part of it had been excavated while we were in Israel. It's an amazing place. So, so here's this pool, the, the size of more than one Olympic swimming pool, a huge place. And as we read about it, we find it was surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number, get that, a great number of disabled people used to lie there. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. The, uh, and we've seen, now look at this verse 5. One. There was a great number of people. But what do we read? One. One was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned what he had, that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Let me, let me help you with a couple of things. I want you to see again, there were crowds of people there, multitudes of people there. The Bible said a great number of people were there. And yet we find in verse 1, there was one that Jesus came to. Right in the midst of all the crowd, he came to that man. Do you know right now that God doesn't look at us as a crowd? He looks at every individual. 
You, you, you know who matters to Jesus? He loves the whole world, but he saves the world one person at a time. One person at a time. So he goes to this man. Now let me help you with this. Look at this question. Look at this question. Do you want to get well? Sir, do you want to get well? What do you want me to do for you? Can I help you? When Jesus writes you a blank check, fill it in. Understand? When the Son of God creates a moment, what do you want me to do? Do you want to get well? Say yes. <laughs> Say yes. Understand the moment. Because watch what he did. Watch what he did. I want to help you. I want to be careful with this. But So he says, do you want to get well? That's an easy question. Let me, let me help you with something else. Jesus never asked a question that he does not already have the answer to. Are you with me? Jesus never asked a question for information's sake. He knew, are you with me, what the man needed. He didn't walk up and say, hey, sir, I don't know what to do. What, what do, you, do you want to get well? No, he knew the answer. He knew what the man needed. The question was not for Jesus. It was for the man. Are you with me? Okay, so he says, do you want to get well? Look at this response, verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. That's not an answer. That's an excuse. Are you with me? That's an excuse. And I want to help you. When you're walking through that lonely moment, don't, that, don't let that become the identity of your life. Don't let that become every conversation that you make. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our pain that we don't know how to receive our healing. Are you with me? Sometimes we get so wrapped up in what's wrong that we miss what's right when it steps right into our life. Sometimes we're so consumed with the idea we've given up, I'm never going to change. That when the one who can change you says, you want to get well, we just make another excuse. When Jesus touches you, when you're in that moment, when you're praying to God, answer the question, do you want to get well? Yes, Lord, I want to get well. No more excuses. Can somebody say amen to that today? We need to respond to him in faith. So he says, do you want to get well? He goes through all these excuses. Aren't you thankful that Jesus knows what we need even when we don't know how to say it? Verse 8, Jesus said to him, well, get up then, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. What a moment. The one man. Jesus always knows how to find that one person. Do you know that when you feel lonely in the middle of a crowd, it may be more intensified than if you're by yourself someplace? The man had a lot of connections. The man had a lot of surface connections all the way around him. But you know what you need to be careful? I want to help you with this. You need to be careful. Don't let all your connections be made with people who have just liabilities in their life. See, all his connections that day, his social media friends were all the sick people that were there. You understand? Everybody, nothing wrong with being sick. You can't, that's not your choice. But what I'm trying to say is his whole identity is that we're a band of sick people. His whole identity, his whole connection, his whole group there is that we're people with liabilities in our life. And when the answer came, he wasn't able to receive it. But God just stepped in anyway. I want to encourage you today. Look at who your connections are. See who's feeding you. What are you connected to? What's your goal? What's your identity? Do you know what I learned a long time ago? If I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm in the wrong room. I'm going to say that again. If you're, let me say it this way. If you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Don't look at me like that. 
If you've got more faith than anybody else in a room, you're in the wrong room. What does that mean? I need to go find a room where somebody is raising my faith. I need to go somewhere where somebody believes all things are possible. Anybody with me today? I don't need to sit around with everybody saying it's over, it's done, it's too late. Get up out of that place. In the name of Jesus, come out. And, and let's move on to some place where we begin to see God do something. That, you know, one of the great things I've talked about, Reinhard Bonnke, I, when I was with that man and listening to him teach his staff and watch him do, you know, God use him, this guy's faith, his faith to see a million people saved was as easy to him as you and I praying for one person to be saved. Faith just rolled out of him. So you know what? I, I, I'm always looking for guys like that. And, and I'll be honest. I'm a pastor and this and that. I know the word. But I, I would, every time I try to get close to him, I said, God, let it rub off on me. And I listened to him. And I said, God, put that faith in me. God, do that for me. I, I, you know, I want to have Reinhard Bonnke faith. Come on. Anybody want to have that kind of faith? I, I want Calvary to plunder hell and populate heaven. What do we say? I, are you with me? I, I, let me put it this way. I want to make it hard to go to hell from North Alabama. Huh? If you want to go to hell, you got to move to Tennessee. Just go and move. Because huh? we're going to get you here. We're going to get you in the kingdom. Sorry, Tennessee. Let me go somewhere else. If you, that's too close, all right? That's too close. That's only 35 miles away. If you want to go to hell, you're going to have to go to Alaska. Sorry, Alaska. I mean, you're just going to have to get out of the way. Because we're going to plunder hell and populate heaven. We're going to feed hungry people till they say, I want to find a Jesus that is pushing those people to feed me. I want to do enough to where we break through these barriers. And so what happens, you have to begin to recognize that Jesus will find that person who's isolated with all these connections, but they're not healthy ones. And he says, hey, you want to get well? How many want to get well today? Let me see your hand. I want to get well of anything that's keeping me from the very, very best things of God. Yes, sir, I want to get well. It's amazing. Let me give you one more illustration. John chapter 4. I love the way this narrative starts. The Bible says in John chapter 4, it says, Jesus had to go to Samaria. Interesting. Jesus had to go to Samaria. We just first read that. What's the big deal? Let me help you with something. Samaria was an area in Israel that was taboo to all the Jews. Samaritans were the children born between the, 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 the union of a Jew and a Gentile. They were cross-cultural. They were mixed kids. One parent was a Jew, one was a Gentile. And to the Jews, they said, those people are, they have no status to us. They, they rejected them not, like they had no status. They, they were considered untouchable people. Hard to imagine, isn't it? A Jew wouldn't even talk to a Samaritan. A Jew wouldn't even touch a Samaritan. A Jew would never walk into a Samaritan's home. Now watch this. So here's Jesus, a Jew, and his Jewish disciples, and he looked at them and said, we have to go to Samaria. Now I'm going to tell you, there were some eye rolling and side glances at that moment with those disciples. And here's the deal. When you look at it on the map, it wasn't the direct route. They didn't go through Samaria because it's the shortest route from A to B. It was because the Spirit of God said, you need to go. And can I help you today? God is looking at you today, and he is designing divine appointments so that someone's going to walk into your life. Jesus is walking into your life. Today, he's walking into your life because he had to find you today. So he gets into Samaria. The only reason he had to go, God put him there. He was led by the Spirit there. And he goes to a well in the middle of the day, and he sits down on the well. And he tells the disciples, you guys go get us some food. I'll wait here. He had a divine appointment. 
In the middle of the day, a little lady walks up to the well. So what's the big deal with that? Well, in the culture of the day, the women came to the well together. They came in the morning to get water for their family and what they needed. And they came at night to replenish that in the evening, late in the afternoon to take care of that. So why was this lady by herself in the middle of the day drawing water out of the well? Because she was rejected. Because she was lonely. Because she was isolated. Because she really didn't belong. She was living in the village, but she wasn't part of the village. Why? Well, as she and Jesus began to talk, the Holy Spirit revealed some things to him. He said, ma'am, she wanted to talk about religion. He said, ma'am, you've been married five times. And the man you live with now, well, he's not your husband. You're living with the man. And her head goes down. And she says, I think you might be a prophet. You think? Huh? So now we understand. You know why she went to the well by herself? Because the other women wouldn't go with her. You know why she went to the well by herself? Because she was rejected. You know why she goes in the middle of the day? Because she didn't want to see the glances and hear the words of those other ladies in that village. She was rejected. You know, they didn't want her around them. She, she's, she's that kind of woman. We don't want her around our husbands. She's living with this man. You can't trust her. She can't get her life together. Something's not right here. Something's off track. And here was this lady in the village but not in the village. Here was this lady, part of the women, but not part of the women. And Jesus took his time, had to go to meet one lady in this place and talk to her. And you know what happened when he talked to that lady and she realized this is not an ordinary man. This is the one we talked about. And she begins to believe in him. And here's the lady, watch this, that everyone rejected, that has to go to the well by herself, that's so desperate for somebody to love her, that any man that will spend time with her, even if he won't marry her, she'll live with him. Why? Because she's so lonely. Because she tried five times and it didn't work. Because she wants someone there and she's by herself and she's lonely and life isn't working. And Jesus had to go meet her. Why? Because her loneliness hadn't escaped the attention of Almighty God. And he sent someone there to change her life. That's how important you are to God. And that's what your loneliness means. And she meets Jesus. And she runs back in the city. And she tells him, he told me everything I'd ever done. And the little lady that no one loved or wanted, the one rejected, became the evangelist that brought the whole village to the feet of Jesus. When God comes in your life, you may have been rejected, isolated. People hide their face from you. You may think you'll never be loved. I'm telling you God will bless you love you change you work in your life bring fullness back in your life that's the kind of God he is can anybody say amen to this great God we love but let's wrap it here so that we can deal with this and let me help you with this so we see lonely people we see that Jesus loves these lonely people you know I said it earlier maybe maybe it's the loss that created the loneliness. If you're dealing with loneliness, there's nothing wrong with you. You're human. Welcome to the human race. The key is don't, don't live there. Don't let it capture you there. Don't let it become your identity. Maybe nothing makes us deal with loneliness like the loss, the death of a dear one. I'm reminded of one of the great ministry encouragers in my life. And 
example, a mentor to me, Pastor Tommy Barnett. Tells a story about he and his father when his father died. Now, Pastor Barnett, Tommy's in Phoenix, Arizona. His dad pastors in Kansas City, Kansas at this time. And man, they're best friends. His dad's his best friend. They're fellow pastors. They share a layer. His dad was his hero, his example, his mentor, his father, all these layers. And his father died just like that of a heart attack, created such a void. You know, there's just this, this bond. So his father dies, and they get the phone call, and the family rushes to Kansas City, and you, you guys that have walked through a, a, a death, you know all the activity. It's when you least feel like doing it, and funeral arrangements, and everything being put in order. And then because Pastor Barnett is a pastor, he's, he, he preaches. It's his father's funeral, and it would probably be easier to sit down, but to honor his father, he speaks at his own father's funeral. And, and then because he's a pastor, he, he has to go back to his church in Phoenix, and his wife family stay there to help his mother. And, 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 and he's sitting on the plane, flying back to Phoenix. Probably for the first time since he heard the news his father died, that he's by himself. And he's on that plane. And he said, God, through his tears, what am I going to do? My dad's my best friend. He's my mentor. He answers all my questions about ministry. We talk every Monday. It's like this, this, this moment only sons and father and pastors can share. He said, God, who's going to mentor me? Who am I going to talk to? Who's going to be my counselor? God, what am I going to do without my dad? And he said, God spoke to him so clearly on that plane, sitting there by himself in his tears, and said, Tommy, if you'll let me, I'd love to be all those things to you. And he said after he had pastored many years and God had used him in wonderful ways, that was the moment when the Holy Spirit became a person to him. See, we know the power of the Holy Spirit. We know the dynamic of the Holy Spirit. But we need to know the person of the Holy Spirit. And out of his loss, he began a relationship with God that was dearer and sweeter and richer than he had ever known. And I'm going to tell you, when you begin to walk with God in your heart, when, when his presence becomes real and it's not just religion or somebody else's faith or a on our calendar, but Jesus begins to live through you by the Spirit, and He's your constant companion. I'm going to tell you something. You may walk by yourself, but you'll never be alone. You may have some moments when we lose on earth, but God has a way of taking every earthly loss and filling it with something great out of heaven. Can you say amen to that? You see, it's just the goodness. I'm reminded of Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6, the prophet whose relative was the king, said, in the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his glory filled the temple. Do you know that in those moments where everything screams you've lost, you're alone, nobody cares for you, it's in that moment where we might find God greater than we ever have before. He doesn't create the loss, he fills the loss. How many with me right now? We find the love of God for us. And let's bring it to a conclusion and receive some prayer. You know where loneliness began? Began the Garden of Eden. That's the origin of every lonely moment any human being's ever had. Because you see, Adam and Eve walked with God. And yet there was this tree. He said, don't eat of that tree. They disobeyed and did that. And, 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 and suddenly they became aware, oh, we're not in this place of perfection and innocence and blessing. 
And God didn't run from them. What did he do? Like he does for everyone we've seen today. He walked in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? Why are you hiding from me? It was a rough moment. And in the garden that day, you need to understand, God had told them, if you eat of this tree, you're going to die. Well, they ate of it. Did they fall over dead? No, but something died spiritually. They died. The Bible says from that moment, every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2 said, you're dead in your trespasses and sins till we come to Christ. What's dead? Our spirit, where we communicate with God. Do you know what spiritual death is? It means to be separated from God. What happened to Adam and Eve? They had to be moved out of the garden because they were now separated from God. Sin had worked its way in. Do you know the origin of every lonely moment on this world? Sin. Not that you sinned, but that the original sin took place. It separated us from God. And until we find God, until we accept Christ, we will live our life with a void there that no human relationship can fill. No matter how great your husband or wife is, they can't be God to you. No matter how much you love your children, they can't be God to you. There is no relationship on this earth that can be everything it could be unless Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord of our life. Every lonely moment had its origin there. And until we come to Christ, we're never going to put all these pieces together. But the good news is, he's always looking for us. The lonely man laying by the pool. The little woman walking to the well by herself. He's walked through those moments and he's here today to say, I want to heal your hurt places. I want to walk right up into the hard places. I want to come close to you and be Savior and Lord and heal you and restore you and let you know you're never going to be by yourself. The last thing I want to say before we pray, look at this verse, John 13, 30. And this is where I think many of us may have missed something important. Judas betrayed Jesus. He had been close to Jesus. He'd been near him. He'd heard his voice and felt his touch and seen his miracles. But for some reason, Judas decided, I'm going to betray him. I'm going to leave him. And look at this. As soon as Judas had taken the bread at the Last Supper, he went out. Look at this. It was night. He left the fellowship of the presence of God. It was nighttime. You know, when you've known the Lord and you walk away, it gets dark. It gets cold. It becomes night. You know, the person that has known the Lord and the blessing of his presence, the fellowship of God's people, and turns their back and walks off from that, that's a tough place. It's a hard place because you see, you've lost the presence. You, you, your heart once rejoiced and you had peace and you had joy and now your heart's getting cold and alone and you're missing it. I was there and I'm not there. And what compounds that, listen to me, I want to help you, is that not only did you lose the fellowship of the presence of God, but you knew what it was like. And now if you walked away having known him and you're back in this world system, you know what? You're not going to fit in there either because you've already tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And the loneliest person on this planet is the man or the woman who once knew the Lord and turned her back and walked off because you don't fit anywhere. You lost his presence, but you don't fit here. Can I tell you something? God's the God who says, come back home. God's the God who finds that person and says, 
Let's restore our love. Let's restore our fellowship. Let's get this thing back in order. And the good news for you and I today is that when we walk in this fellowship with Jesus, we're never going to be alone. He's closer than we can imagine. We, we often, and I've used it. I've used it this week, this verse in, 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 um, in, in bringing people to Christ in, Jesus, in Christmas now and then. But really, if, uh, Revelation 3.20 was written to the church. And Jesus says, behold, stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I'll come in. Isn't it tragic to live a lonely life with Jesus knocking on the door? Wouldn't it be sad to live a lonely life when Jesus is right at the door and all I have to do is say, come on in. Why wouldn't I answer that door? Is it shame? Guilt, fear, all I have to do is come on in, Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming to my door. You know, I have people say all the time, God's not for me. God's not with me. Oh, more than you'll ever know, he's with you. He's for you. You didn't go to his door. He came to your door. You didn't chase him down. He found you. You're the one that he went to the cross for. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.